Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in paints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man whose favorite Batman character is Leslie Tompkins, and that's Frank. How are you today? <laughs> Leslie Tompkins, wow. Um, yeah, I, I know. I, I was going to sit here and try to come up with a defense of like why that's my favorite Batman character, but I can't. <laughs> because I think the, I think because the answers are obvious. I think it's because it's an obvious answer, Frank. I don't think you need to come up with a defense to it, right? The best character. That's why. Anyway, the best character. Anyway, moving on uh, from moving on from that uh, obvious statement. Anyway, Frank, how how are you today? I'm good. I'm a little tired. My brain's a little fried. This should be a good one. Uh, my brain's a little fried because uh, I have been. Uh, in making my way down well in the sun yes i spent mm-hmm. the whole weekend in the sun and then uh spent uh most of the day driving home from maine to massachusetts so i'm a, my brain's a little fried but um but i'm happy to be here with you it's good to see your face and hear your voice and be talking to all our friends uh about uh some some great great comic book stuff indeed frank before we get into that great comic book stuff could you please tell the audience what you're drinking and also me because i see the color but i don't know what it's about it's switchback season. Yay! It's back in season, baby. Um, yes, I was drinking many a switchback uh, this weekend uh, out on the dock, out by the lake, up in up in Maine, uh, where we spend some of our time in the summers. Um, and uh, I love I love the hell out of that beer. Mm. Switchback is switchback <laughs> is great. I had a um, a friend I used to work with. Who anytime anybody went to that area before Switchback was available, yeah, us he'd be like, "Bring me some Switchback. You bring it to me right now." I I used to be that guy, man. I used to be mm-hmm. that guy. I, I have a friend who's from Vermont. Um, they're they're brewed in Burlington, Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. that's where the brewery is. I have a friend who's from Vermont, a coworker, and whenever he'd go up there, I'd be like, "Hey, if you're going, you know, if you're going to be in the area anyway, if you don't mind, if you could pick me up some." Um, I, I love it. It's it's so like it's just a satisfying outdoor crisp like summer beer for me. It's it's mm-hmm. one of my total total favorites. It's not even the best that there is necessarily. I just really enjoy it. Yep. Um, and I probably told the story at some point, but a couple of years ago we did spend a weekend in Burlington, Vermont, and we were at the Switchback Brewery. We were the first ones there, like when they opened that morning. It was Saturday morning or Sunday morning, and we were just like waiting outside for them to open. And we just came in, and there was—I mean, it wasn't like there was a line or anything. We were just like they were opening at twelve. We got there at like eleven fifty-nine, and they were like, "Oh yeah, come in." And we just sat there at the bar with no one else around, and just oh, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. It was fun. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So um, that's that's my relationship with Switchback. What are you drinking? I am drinking a beer I've never had before, and I am glad that I bought it because it is del- freaking delicious. It is a time traveler blonde lager from the Ooh. Bay State Brewing Company, which is um, in Williamsburg, Massachusetts. Hmm. Uh, time I'll, traveler. Yeah, it's very good. It's got a ram on the front of it crashing through a clock, which I, you know, huh? I always, uh, I always appreciate. I thought it was a goat because you know today we were going to talk about the goat Denny O'Neill. That's right. Um, so, but it's okay. Doesn't matter. Rams are cool too. You might say he's ramming through the clock. Ah, uh, yeah, that's probably what they were going for. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll read the side of the can because you know I always like to read the side of the can. A Love new it. world classic, Bay State's Time Travel Blonde, is a big, bright, golden malty lager, strong but refreshing and easy drinking. It features substantial body, just a hint of sweetness, and balanced hop bitterness in the finish. And that is mm. true. It is all of those things. It's a six point nine. Wow. So, you know, for a lager, it's pretty packed. Um, Damn. Substantial body. That's what they've said about me in the past. So that that I can relate. Yeah, I know. I I need to talk to you about that, Frank. Stop Mm. telling me what your doctor says about you. (laughs) (laughs) Substantial body was my band name in college. Uh, It's actually a good band name. Yeah. We are substantial body. One, two, two, three, three, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. For Um, sure. Yeah. But anyway, as I alluded to, as I alluded to, Frank, we're going to talk about the the late, great Denny O'Neill who passed away away recently. Um, And he is just like, Denny O'Neill is a, like would be on the Mount Rushmore of comic books. Absolutely. Like, for his importance to the comic book industry. You know, you've got Jack Kirby, you've got Stan Lee, and you've got Simon and Schuster, um, and you've got Denny O'Neill. Like, I think it's like, I think he's that important. Not so much in that he created so many characters, uh, mm. you know, like that's not necessarily his thing, but he shepherded yeah. a, a whole generation of readers and really changed how the importance of comics and what those comics can do and uh he's really just a yeah just a uh a stand-up guy from all accounts Um, yeah yeah really like um a really substantial body of work you might say (laughs) um yeah yeah absolutely like really shaped a lot of um, characters to be sort of what we know them today. That's um, right. Yeah, still. He, he, yeah. Still. Still. Like, he took existing characters. He created a lot of characters, too, but but the yep. uh, some of his best-known work um, was when he, he took existing characters and told some of the most classic stories that are considered sort of the foundation of a lot of, like, a, a lot of the, the, the definition of a lot of our favorite characters, like Batman, like Green Arrow, like Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um He's and countless others, but yeah, he That's was right. really, really influential. And that was just when he was writing. That doesn't even count when he was editing books, right? He was the right. Batman editor for a long time. He's the he, sh, you know, he's as he liked to say, like he's the guy that killed Robin. That's right. Like you know, he had because he was a, I think he was in like a diner in the eighties, and he had a little Batman lapel on when he was editing the books on his jacket. And a guy asked him, you know, like, hey, what, uh, you know, what do you do for a living? Why are you wearing that? And he's like, oh, I edit the Batman books. And he was like, this is the guy that killed Robin. That's, right. you know, like that. To be known for 
your work in comics is pretty rare, especially in the eighties. That was not exactly a like like a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So totally. for people to recognize you like that. So um yeah, Denny O'Neill, great guy. But in honor of Denny O'Neill, we read some Denny O'Neill comics. Um uh and so I don't know what you read, actually. Um I tried to I tried to vary my my reading like about okay. and so and some stuff I I read before I didn't you know I figured you might have like pick up some stuff and I was like oh Frank probably won't read this one so I'll sure do this okay one. interesting I I had ambitions of reading a lot when I was uh, away this weekend yeah I did too. And, don't worry about it <laughs> yeah I didn't read as much as I wanted to but I did read I read um the original um the original uh Rachel Ghoul story Lazarus Pit all that fun stuff good 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 good. And I read Hard Traveling Heroes, yeah, which I, I was, had. Yeah, I've always wanted to read that, and and it, I, this was the ex- excuse I needed to finally, finally, finally read it. Let's start with Hard Traveling Heroes. Actually, this is G- Green Lantern, Green Arrow. It was a Green Lantern book that Green Arrow came on to, um, and it was like the conservative Green Lantern with the liberal Green Arrow and. Green Arrow is basically like, look at the injustice, um, because that was Denny O'Neill's thing, right? Look at the injustice. Uh, right. We need to tell people about it. We need to fix it. Uh, he was a big activist, and he used comics as that platform to really, to really try and help people as much as he could. Um, yeah, that's right. And and a lot of the stuff in that. Did you reread that recently, or had I, you read it before? Or I've read it before. I did not read it this time because okay. I had a feeling you were going to go for yeah. Green Lantern, yeah. Green Arrow, and so I said, "I'm going to do something. Di- I'll do something different." Okay, nice. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to hear that next. But uh, yeah, I did read it, and uh, I knew I would enjoy it. I I knew the basic story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basic story, and I knew some of the, I knew some of the, you know, I mean, I mean, the most famous Green Arrow story ever probably is Speedy being a junkie, right? Like, sure, th- that's mm-hmm. and that that's part of that that broader story arc. Um, so I knew parts of it, but I I didn't actually ever read it. And man, was it like applicable to what's happening in the world today? Oh, um, yeah. it, 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 sure, it sure is cotton. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really, it was really like the whole, the whole. At least in in essence, it was. You know, it's all about here's Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and they're traveling across the country, and they they make a pact that they're going to be as human as they're going to use their their superhero their superpowers and and well you know their superhero accoutrement as little mm-hmm. as possible. And superhero um, accoutrement is yeah. the best way to describe a non-powered superhero. Yes, I thought I would make it fancy. That's um, great, but it it, it it's a this great story of of Green Arrow constantly pointing out to Green Lantern, who's like the very Green Lantern's the very buttoned up conservative one, and Green Arrow is constantly pointing out to him, look at the injustices, look at how authority and how the system are keeping people down um in certain um in certain instances and how we need to work to correct those injustices. And that just very much resonates with everything that's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and 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 Me Too and and all these movements that are social movements that are that are taking hold right now in our world. Let me ask you a question because I can't remember if if this is I think this is I think this is the beginning of Hard Traveling Heroes, but this is the very famous issue where that a black man goes up to Green Lantern and he's like, "Let me ask you, Mr. Green Lantern, yes. like you helped the blue skins, the orange skins, the purple skins, the well, why haven't you done anything about the black skins? Yeah. Like what it that, what and you know and he that was the first or second issue. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Yes. That's very very. 
that that was when famous. it really struck me, like right mm-hmm. at the beginning, like oh wow, this is still applicable today. And uh, and then uh, another one of those early issues, there is uh, not even a reference, but there is a there is a panel where the faces of Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, uh, Robert F. Kennedy are are in there, and they're being held up as like martyrs for the cause. Because um, mm. this was right after, right at that time, sixty eight, sixty nine. Um, so so this was fresh in in everyone's minds and this was what the you know what the civil rights movement looked like mm-hmm. um and there was a lot of turmoil much like there is again today and there still today mm-hmm. so i want a new comic image of like green lantern like just or hal jordan reading like white fragility or stamp right? from the beginning or something right? just yeah. like like i'm doing my part guys i'm like i'm i'm, I'm catching up i i want an animated uh a dc animated film of, of this updated for today sure you know um mm-hmm. now i will say it's not perfect there were some things that were still problematic um but sure. they are a product of their time yeah. um there is literally, um, you know, they they run into some Native Americans, some indigenous people, and they refer to them as red face. And the indigenous Ooh. people refer to them as, oh, you know, pale face stranger. I come in peace, like like very stereotype driven mm-hmm. uh, stuff. But with that in mind, if you can digest that hard pill to swallow, the indigenous person who is talking to them is talking to them about the injustice perpetrated by the American government on Native American peoples who were, you know, forced out of their homes and put on reservations. It's a little tears, right? It's so a little it's, dances it's, with wolves. Esque, yeah, you know? it's 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 problematic. They're a little, they're but it's a little te- white saviory, but and it is very white. Sav- a Green Arrow is very much a white savior throughout, throughout a lot of it. But again, it's in service of. Um, it was it was a, a groundbreaking story for its time, mm-hmm. and and many aspects of it are still, um, like you know, very. They they were it was ahead of its time and 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 those a lot many aspects of those stories could still work today if they didn't have problematic stereotyping and and sure. um and things of that nature. But I really really enjoyed it from a like uh, applica- applicability to today kind mm-hmm. of standpoint. It was really really I really loved that 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 arc. Yeah, that's some of his not cool. How did the because not every not every issue that they tackle in you know in every issue um has to do with race so like how does like the speedy issue hold up did you find that i feel like it does hold up there you know we more we know more about like the war on drugs and sort of the 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 history behind it and sort of the injustice Mm -hmm. behind the the war on drugs in particular yep but it was i i saw that as a really interesting uh in some aspects of time capsule and in some aspects uh, some applicability that one was felt like more of a time capsule Mm -hmm. um because of how it was talking about drugs and drug culture um but it was like how crazy is that that they put on the front cover of this issue heroin speedy shooting yeah. up like speed. you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. speed yeah. Uh, uh like that's that was um that was wild for the time wild I mean, for it's today it's kind of wild now like yeah. you wouldn't you you wouldn't put something like that on a cover today no, no. and part of that's just, yeah part of that's just like cover cover um art has changed but like yeah it was it was great i have to say also um i i think i can maybe say that like neil adams and dick giordano are my favorite comic book artists ever i think i can Ooh, yeah. just come up and say That's that a, dick giordano especially does not get the love that that he should i mean he does in certain circles but he's not like but it's not like um i feel like his he's not a, so known like um neil adams yeah right yeah you know, neil people, adams i feel like is really well known you know throughout the 
beloved by many comic book fans and and so it's not like a not it's not a, a hot take to say that he's like the greatest ever but i really love um and i read i read a lot of these on on dc universe mm-hmm. so oh, you can cool i you can download think about these. doing that yeah 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 they've got they've got all the classic stuff there i wish they had or at least i didn't see i didn't see them broken up by storyline they just had the individual issues so i went and found an article that laid out and said hard traveling heroes is green lantern number whatever 77 through 89 or whatever it is mm-hmm. and i just i downloaded them individually i wish they had like they had them as like a trade you know digitally so that you sure. can just get a whole story arc but anyway um if you want to do that i'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the article i used if anybody's interested in in that but um uh, what what was one that you read what was a story that you read and enjoyed um i i went with um it's funny i went with a book that he doesn't get a lot of credit for writing because he did it literally once in his career, but it was the start of his relationship with Neil Adams. And so I was like, oh, I should I should try this. And it was X-Men issue 865. Ooh, what year is that from? That was the beginning of his relationship with Neil. This was pre um this was pre Chris uh Chris Claremont. So okay. post okay. Stanley, pre Claremont, um okay. and before um um before he went to DC before yep. they both went to DC cuz yep. Neil Adams yep. was on X-Men for a while but he like Denny O'Neill was on there for like literally one issue um and there's a lot happening but i what i found so interesting about it is how he's really not suited to the Marvel style interesting cuz the Marvel style and particularly X-Men is very angsty um, yeah yeah I, that's the you know like uh, the, um it, it's like I'm I'm angry and I have emotions and it's very soap opera. Um, and this is before Chris Claremont really made comics a soap opera, mind you. Like the right, like, you know, Chris Claremont is actually another one that you should like put on that Mount Rushmore. Ah, uh, that's true. Comic book that's creators, true. yeah, yeah. Um, one of the greats. One of the greats. And so, so I read it, and it's like the original. It's the original team. It's you know Cyclops and Marvel Girl and Beast and Iceman and all that, and it's. Polaris and Havoc, you know, and they're like, ah, the aliens are attacking and stuff. But everyone is so angry about it in like the first couple of issues. It's kind of hilarious where like Polaris and Havoc ask the original team to come back and they're like, you know, we were busy in the city and they're like, and they're like, I know, but this is important. And they're like, is it as important as how we feel right now? And then they literally start to fight about it like oh my God. by the bottom of the second page. And then. Havoc's like, we don't have time for this. And then everyone is just like, man, I'm upset. But like, there's like, there's that like adult natured side of Marvel that Denny O'Neill did a good job at writing for. This is one panel from just Angel putting on his costume. I want to read you what he's thinking. Sure. It's just one panel. He says, every time I put on these duds, I've got to wonder if I'll be buried in them. Mm. Which is no way for Hero to think, much less an angel. Like that. I was like, wow, my God, that's like dark. That's like heavy. That is heavy. Um, And so, yeah, and so it was a fun issue. It actually, I mean, I didn't have a lot of context for previous stuff, but like Professor X was apparently dead and he came back in this issue and everyone was like, oh my God, Professor X, you're alive again and stuff. But um, so I would say the issue was okay in the grand scheme because he really wasn't suited for this style. It's just, it was so. There was so much. It was almost like watching an anime where everyone's like emotions are at eleven all the time, uh, uh-huh, and they're like, "I'm uh-huh. crying real tears right now," and like, and it was kind of like that. And I was like, by the time it was over, I was like, "Whew, that was 
a lot of emotion. Yeah. Was, yeah, it was, you know, and, and not that, like, his comics didn't have that in, like, at DC, but they were a little bit more, they were a, a, not mellow necessarily, but they were, like, even keeled. I guess, yeah. a, a yeah. little more even-paced. They were definitely energetic stories still, yeah. and he has a very energetic, high-energy yeah, high um, mm-hmm. storytelling style, but I know what you mean. It, it, not angsty, yeah. not teen angst like you get with the X-Men. That's right. This was angst, and this yeah. was, like I said, pre-Claremont, so this was just kind right. of the Marvel style at the time. Yeah, and yeah. And so, like, feelings. Everyone has feelings, and so um, so I, I enjoyed reading it, but I was when it was done, I was like, whew. I went on a journey. I'm exhausted. Yeah, I, I went. A, yeah, what a what a journey I went on into space with aliens and yeah, it was all over. Um, so I read that, which was which was exciting. Nice. Um, but I also read those Rachel Ghoul issues. Um, yes. Because Rachel Ghoul is my favorite Batman villain, so I couldn't pass I, up the opportunity to. I know this about you. Yeah. yeah. To read up some issues. So frankly, H- had you read them before, or was this your first time reading those, or those original um, issues? I have I have read them before. I have the um, um, Batman Tales of the Demon. Mm-hmm. Book. It's like all Denny O'Neill stories gotcha. from from Raish, and I have some illustrated Neil Adams stuff. Nice. So that um that went in, but I also I went off book um which is re- relevant to this, and I watched a Denny O'Neill script in action Ooh. because Batman the Animated Series. He wrote. <gasps> The Demon's Quest. He nice. The teleplay for it, which I've actually got a poster, a Mondo poster of nice. those episodes hanging in my room. It's done in like the. I'll send you a picture of it so you can put it in the show notes. But it's done in like the style of Stuart. Um. Um. Oh shoot! What's his name? Stuart, the poster guy. Um. Indiana Drew Jones. Struzan? Star Wars. Drew Struzan. Yeah, Bruce. Struzan. It's done in that style, so it looks like an Indiana Jones poster. That's but it, cool. But it's a uh, Batman. I'll send it to you so you can put it in the. Please do. Yeah. Show notes. But Denny O'Neill's name is just on my wall all the time. Love that. Yeah. So story by Denny O'Neill, and then the teleplay was by Len Wein, another important. Oh yeah, um, another yeah, yeah. another important creator of Wolverine, another important um, uh, comic creator. But anyway, uh, freaking love Rachel Ghoul, and I love. There's something so macho about Batman's dealings with Rachel Ghoul, mm-hmm. and like they're just like I gotta take off my shirt and fight you, <laughs> right? Uh, so funny, and it looks like Batman's wearing a sweater, but he's not. He's just really hairy. Um, so, what did you think? Of, what did you think of those issues? Uh, loved, loved, and I I figured I would, um, but yeah, this was the first. This was the first time i'd actually read that original mm-hmm. you know demon saga um it's again it was similar to hard traveling heroes where i knew the the beats and i knew the story and i'd seen that story told in other you know retold in other media since mm-hmm. but never actually had watched the original like this is the origination of the lazarus pit this is like where all this stuff mm-hmm. comes from um and it's funny when you know this maybe, maybe tell me if you feel similarly when you know these stories and you read the origination of it for the first time it's like wow it's just like matter of fact and straightforward like there that's it there's the like that's Raish and mm-hmm. that's Talia and there's the the Lazarus pit and like wow it's just it, you somebody got to experience this for the first time not it, I feel like I know that Darth Vader is Luke's father and I so I'm like mm-hmm I'm like okay, like I, I, I'm looking at it as a historical document almost. But someone got to experience this and all the thrill and 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 emotion that that was supposed to be there for the first time. Like I'm jealous that someone got to have that experience that I didn't get to have. That I was told the story sort of secondhand. Wow, that that is 
a great comparison. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I definitely, I, my first exposure to Rachel Cool was on the animated series. So I guess technically, technically I was I was introduced to him through Denny O'Neill, technically. But right, uh, yeah. The, but like by the time you go back and read that story, you're like, oh wow, the Lazarus Pit is just there. Oh, it's supposed to smell bad. Apparently, you know, no one's ever mentioned that in a story before. But you get it from Denny O'Neill. These things that are like thought out that you don't think about in other yeah. for, in other forms of media. It's um, so true. It's so yeah. true. And, and something that I got from this story more than I got from the Green Lantern story um, was it was it was written with lot. It was highly descriptive. Like he has a highly descriptive style, a very pulp style uh, of storytelling, mm-hmm. right? Especially with these Batman issues, um, probably because they were probably they were earlier. I think they, they were earlier, they right? Were earlier, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it really, really um, came through as a very and Batman's a pulpy, more pulpy character, and you know that's his his thing. Mm-hmm. I was struck very much by how I, I feel, and maybe I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure of Denny created this sort of distinction or not tell me if i'm off track here mm-hmm. but i love how he he very he was very good at writing batman as the detective writing um oliver queen as the robin hood um like mm-hmm. he whereas like they when they started you know uh green arrow was sort of just a carbon copy of batman with some sure was yep. you know like this rich is the guy same, gadgets the same story. arrow cave like it's all it's just a it's just batman but yeah. with a green arrow motif. But yeah, just just or shifted a little motif. bit. Yeah, right. But nah, but they he he. I don't know if he turned him into, but he wrote mm-hmm. him as as he did. Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured. I figured he yeah, that was yeah. his work. That that was his contribution. Like he he turned him into uh, Robin Hood, and he he very much wrote Batman as as the detective. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, Batman was a detective before Detective Comics, right? Like, That's yeah. right. Yeah, right. But I he definitely he. He accentuated that part of Batman. That's that, exactly that yeah. had been missing, and he even made him a little bit of a darker character again. Which, which had you know, previously you're talking like Dick Sprang Batman and stuff like that, and it's it's you know like that like really chunky. Hey, chum, how are you? That kind yeah, of yeah, Batman. yeah. What I really like about Denny O'Neill's Batman is that he he likes being Batman. It's an adventure to him. But he's still a little tormented. Like, it's mm. not so much... He's not like Frank Miller tormented, where, like, every day is a struggle. Um, you know, but, like, he still gets his kicks out of dressing up as a as a costume crime fighter, and he's kind of pleasant to be around still at, at, at some points. But he's... Um, but he's he can still be a creature of the night. And, yes. and the, the pulpy detectiveness, like... It's basically going back to those original... Bob Kane, Dick, um, um, Bill Finger, Roots. Um, what I actually, you know, what Batman actually reminds me of is James Bond. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. His Batman very much has that. His has Batman that. is James Bond. He's suave. He's cool. He's got that like actual like playboy millionaire billionaire like rhythm to him. Um, but it's a lot. But it's also a lot, especially with Rachel Ghoul, It's a lot of um world adventuring expedition stuff it's basically the league of assassins is basically specter like you know it's right. like this like ultra terrorist organization from around the world and he's totally. like i gotta hop on a plane and go to this country and this country and this country and i gotta dress up like this and i gotta do this and this and that. like it's james bond which i mean totally. if you but james bond was at the height of his popularity 
while Denny while was writing is, this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It speaks to the um, malleability of Batman in a lot of ways, that this is an acceptable Batman. It was right. It's great right. fun. Really, really fun. Really, really fun. Um, and I, I assume that some... Um, I assume that the coloring was redone or, or you know, it was uh, mm-hmm. punched up for these DC, uh, the DC Universe versions of these because the colors are so vibrant and beautiful. But, um, but it's still like I mean, the original art it was vibrant and beautiful, and um, you know, just leaps off the page. Like there is some the shading and the coloring with the contrast is just there's so many of these panels I wish I could just you know can I just get the original panel without the word balloons and just like frame mm-hmm. them they're beautiful or use it as a wallpaper for my you know my iPad or something like there are some just amazing like uh emotion ridden shots of mm-hmm. of Batman like close-ups where you can even if you you know this is like so cliche but even if there wasn't a word balloon or, or a thought bubble I would still know what he was saying or thinking right you it, the the emotion is conveyed in the art Without there mm-hmm. being any words, that's the great. Well, Dick Giordano, but also Neil Adams. Also you know, Neil like Adams. Yeah. Just you know, they and Neil Adams is a little full of himself sometimes. But he he's you know like I, he said I he always used to say like I drew superheroes, I draw superheroes like if they existed in the real world, right? They weren't and he, like he did. They weren't like the Wayne Boring Superman that was like a block of putty. Like nobody right. looks like that, you know. But they they're like lean athletes. That's their. That's yeah. the, that's what he drew, and it's obvious. Like you know, their texture, of their costumes looks like they're like painted on, you know, or spandex sure. or whatever. But uh, but I think that that style plays so elegantly with Denny's style makes a huge it's difference. Such a great partnership, such a great great partnership. Um, um amazing work. Um, yeah, I, I I had I had ambitions of reading more. I actually really wanted to read um. Joker's Five Way Revenge, Batman number two fifty one, um, mm-hmm. which is a very very famous cover, very famous story. I have never that signed by Neil. I have that original issue signed by Neil Adams. I thought I thought you had that. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. did you get that signed when we met Neil Adams together, or was that another time? Yes. No. Yeah. I don't remember. I, okay. okay. I don't fair remember. I, to be totally honest, but no, that's totally fair. Yeah. Um. um Joker's Five Wave Revenge is great. Talking about reinventing characters, we're talking about Green Arrow this whole time and and Green Lantern and Batman. But he like reinvents the Joker. He makes him yep. scary. He you know like this was Joker was was scary. Then he was a guy that would like squirt mustard on your shirt and run away laughing. You know, <laughs> right? And then ha jokes are funny. And then right. like, but he made him like a psychopath again. Right. Like you know, in a way that still is funny, still is not funny. But you know, like it. But it's definitely. I would say classic Joker, classic era Joker, with the one people really think of before, like sociopath, psychopath, you know, uh, type of, you know, like Heath Ledger ish Joker. Yes. Jack yes. Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's Joker is is Denny O'Neill's Joker. That's right. Right. It's that's that's pretty much it. Um, I actually read one of Denny O'Neill's last stories ever. It might actually be his last story ever. Was in the um, 80th anniversary issue of J- the Joker and. Um, and he, he did a story in which like Joker, like is set in the time of which he's writing or editing Batman comics where Joker has like friends in the UN cause he was an ambassador that one time, you know, that's, you remember <laughs> dumb, but, uh, um, he's like, yeah, I've got friends in the UN. He's like, I'm kind of in a rut. Like nothing's funny. Nothing's whatever. And someone's like, why don't you like, I heard about this group in the UN that's like, you know, the Peace Corps where they like 
you know, they're called like the Dove Corps or something like that, where they're like nonviolent, no weapons, no nothing, and they go in and solve problems. He's like, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll do that. And then he just kills everybody at the end. He's like, yeah, well, I'm the Joker. I mean, um, what you expect. Right. And I was like, wow, he is terrible. And that's all Denny O'Neill. A lot of that is Denny O'Neill. And I, I appreciated that reading something so new. That's cool. I sh- I really should read that. Um, my my reading list is getting longer and longer. I had a few things that I I didn't get to. Um, I wanted to read his Kryptonite Nevermore, uh, run on Superman. Mm, I don't um, even in, know about that one. Superman comics. Yep. Um, it's um because I'm just fascinated to see what how he would write Superman. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like all Kryptonite on Earth gets destroyed. Um. And uh, oh, this is when this is what moves Clark from being a um, newspaper reporter to being a TV reporter. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that might be what you like what you know it from. Mm. Um, but yeah, like all kryptonite is gone and there's this whole um, a whole story. It's got Kurt Swan art, which I really like Kurt Swan's style yep. of, of mm-hmm. Superman drawing. So like it's I, I'm very interested in that. It's got one of the most classic covers. Um so uh, yeah, I'm very interested in reading that, and I, I wanted to get around to that. I also wanted to read his run on the question. Um, yes, he, mm-hmm. have you read it? No, actually, that is something I also wanted to read, and I couldn't get to. Yeah, yeah, uh, but he read he wrote that in like the 80s. Um, he he started the book. Um, yeah, the character had been around already. Right, um, but, but was it the? F- I don't know if it's the first time the question had his own book, or if it was just the start of a new run on the book. But it is, you know, the question number one through six, I think. Um, oh, Kryptonite No More is him breaking out of the Kryptonite chains. I sorry, I right. had to look up. Yes. Wow, that is. You've seen famous. that cover before, right? That's oh a yeah. Famous, yeah, yeah, very yeah. famous. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's why I wanted to, I wanted to read that one. Um, yeah, there's a there's a, a bunch of a bunch of things. Um, that I had wanted to get to. Did you, in the Green Lantern, Green Arrow run, was the, the introduction of Jon Stewart wasn't in there, right? Because Jon Stewart, yeah, very end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, I like, one, I love Jon Stewart. It's a great character. Me too, me too. Um, but I like his, like, I'm not wearing a mask, mm-hmm. like, thing. I like mm-hmm. that bit about, you know, like, he, you know, like, why do I have to hide? The whole point is not to hide right now. Right. And so right. I, I really, that spoke to, that spoke, you know of the now um is but end of the then um totally so that, yeah so that's good stuff um Great. Cre- yeah to connect to the beginning he connected he created leslie tompkins too which is which is why i said that that's right originally that's right that's right yes yes oh man i i, I have to say um i also listened to re-listened to mm. his interview on uh, what was then called Fat Man on Batman is now called Fat Man Beyond. Kevin Smith's podcast, mm-hmm. uh, one of his you know twenty podcasts. Yeah, but uh, Kevin Smith re-released the whole interview. It was it was originally put out as a two-parter like five or six years ago. In, he re-released it as one episode. It's like three hours long, um, the whole thing. But it is well well worth your time. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well because it's one of my all-time. Fa- I remember it being one of my all-time favorite interviews that that Kevin Smith ever did when he started this podcast. He was just interviewing. Batman creator, comic book creators, and then mm-hmm. eventually like, comic book creators in general, and then it, it sort of pivoted away to be more of a comic book and, and geek news show, which is what it is today. But but at the beginning, which is when he talked to to Denny, it was um, uh, it was interviewing Batman comic book creators and going through their whole um, life story. I I stand corrected; it's not three hours; it's three hours and forty nine minutes, so Whoa. it's almost four hours. Um, and that's why it was it was like two two hour episodes initially, but. Uh, 
I cannot stress to you enough, uh, and I, I know you've listened to it, Tim, but but to anybody who hasn't, um, I really can't stress enough what a fantastic interview this is. He tells like his whole life story and uh, his whole history of of working in comics, and you know he touches on some of the most iconic stories, the ones we've talked about today, um, and many others um, that we didn't have time to cover. But man, it is. It is so, so fantastic. I can't stress enough that it's very much worth your time. So um, I wanted to throw that in there because I think it's awesome. Just just awesome. I will. Um, I, I haven't gone back to listen to it yet. You sent it to me when it, when you first released it, when 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 Denny died. But I have to go back and I have to go back and, and listen. Uh, one last thing that I read, which I didn't know until today, actually, when I read it, that it was... Um, um, it was written by, adapted by Denny O'Neill, which is ironic because today was announced that Michael Keaton is in talks to to return as, as Bruce Wayne, Batman mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. Flashpoint movie. I read the um, adaptation of the '89 Batman movie. Um, the oh, did he novel. write the comic adaptation? Yeah, Denny O'Neill and art by Jerry Ordway. So oh, two nice. titans, two titans of the comic book industry were used on an adaptation of a movie. Like, can you imagine? This is like, like handing like, I don't know, like Jim Lee and Jeff Johns like an adaptation of okay, make this adaptation. Like, really? Yeah, that's usually you're gonna get. That's yeah. usually reserved for sort of second stringers or whatever. Like, you know. Yeah, no second stringers here. This yeah, is wow. the great Denny O'Neill, the top ad- talent. Yeah, adapting adapting the movie, and it is a great read because it's based on the script before the movie came out. Um. And so there's like some actual changes to the story that don't that you don't see in the film. Like, for instance, he doesn't say I'm Batman because the original script has Batman saying I am the knight and then jumping off the building. And so I thought that was it's such a I mean, I knew it before, but cool, cool to see in action. But what I found so interesting was Denny's and Jerry's. analysis of the death of the joker because if, if they're only reading the script you figure okay so batman ties his leg to a gargoyle and he you know dr- and he drops down and falls to his death batman murders the joker in that you know in that movie and so but here what he does is he um one there's a great like batman pulls out a batarang and it but it's not the grappling hook because they hadn't seen the movie yet grappling hook grappling gun uh was right. invented for batman the movie batman just used a batarang with a rope attached to it before that which he has in this comic book and vicky vale's like what's that and he says i suppose the media would label it a batarang <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great it's great so he throws the batarang around Joker's leg and attaches it to the gargoyle so he so the helicopter gets stuck and the whole thing happens but when the gargoyle gets ripped off the building it it compromises the side of the building that Batman and Vicky Vale are hanging on to okay so now bat so then they all start to tumble all three of them so Batman has to make the choice between saving the Joker and saving Vicky Vale from plummeting to their death so he saves Vicky as the Joker falls to his death wow so instead of Batman murdering the Joker he sets it so like that they all fall at the same time and Batman has to choose between these two because before it was just to get the Joker to not get on the helicopter. Right. So he doesn't kill him, but he doesn't have to save him. That is 
you might say. Yeah. I don't think that this Batman with his non-grappling gun, like it's literally like a rope tied to a batarang. Like I don't think he has the ability to save the Joker. Sure. He can only sure. catch the one person. And that so, makes sense. Yeah. So, um, but I see what you're doing there with the yeah. Batman Begins. <laughs> that is featured Ray Shaw Cool. So, which you did. You know. Which you did. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, so that's a wow. Denny O'Neill, Frank. Yeah. We read some good. St- we read some stuff. We read some very stuff. We read some similar stuff. It's all. It's all good. I love that. I love that. I love that we we had some overlap and we had some um, some different stuff. I love that. Yeah, um, man, what just a titan of of the comic book industry. One of the all time greats. Um, he will be greatly, greatly missed. Um, but uh, man, what a what a legacy of of work, a substantial body of work he leaves behind, and. Um, I, I, this was great because this was long overdue for me. I'm sure many of our listeners are like, you never read, you know, Hard Traveling Heroes or you never read. But, um, uh, yeah, sometimes things just escape you, though. Sometimes life, things life just happens. escape you. Life happens, and I am I am really glad that I filled, I, I plugged those holes in my, um, in my comic book education because what a treat it was to read this stuff. And, and now that I've gone down this rabbit hole a little bit, and, um, you know, in the summer is sort of when I tend to, have some time to catch up on on comics and and do some more pleasure reading than I normally do and and what with there not being really anywhere to go these days, um, I I look forward to you know getting getting to do even more of that and dive into some of those stories that I, I wasn't able to read in time for today, um, but hopefully we'll be able to mm-hmm. we'll be able to soon so yeah. Um, R.I.P. Uh, he will be greatly missed, but man, wow. so um, what? How great that we we got to have him, <laughs> you know, in that and that mm-hmm. his work um, still stands up, and that we get to enjoy it forever. That's right. That's right. That so much of it is still so good to read. It, so his writing is certainly also of his time. Well, it's not. You know, I don't want to like definitely. You know, you know like it, you know, like the pulpy style. It's it's wordy. It's you know, it, comics evolved from where he was but he made them evolve in the first place and i think that yes. he deserves a lot of credit so um frank tell the people where they can find us and then and then we'll shuffle on out of here yeah um you can find us over at beerwithgeeks.com thoughtbubbleaudio.com uh you can uh, rate and review us on apple podcasts uh you can also find us on spotify and stitcher and google podcasts and uh, overcast and everywhere the podcasts are found um hey if you have a podcast player and you can't find us email us at beerwithgeeks at gmail.com because we want to be there um so if you if if you know we say you, you find us wherever you find podcasts and that's because we make every effort to be everywhere but if there's an app that you're using and you can't find us in it email us let us know we'll we'll be there um beerwithgeeks at gmail.com at beerwithgeeks on twitter and um Thought Bubble Audio is on Patreon if you want to support us and, and, and help us. Um, uh, every uh, every little bit counts. So um, if you want to shoot us, uh, even a dollar a month uh, is, is a huge help uh, over at patreon.com slash Thought Bubble Audio. Uh, and that will that will help us to uh, to keep the shows going. So thank you so much for your support and for listening. And yeah. thank you, Tim. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. Frank actually well Frank before we go just speaking of we won't do an episode we won't do an episode on this but you know Joel Schumacher passed away I um, did see that yeah 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 um, 80 years old and um 
Uh, I'm just reading this post um, from a guy I follow, a filmmaker that I follow, um, Ryan Unicomb. He's making the um, um, he's making the uh, documentary on the George Miller Justice League Mortal um, movie uh, and nice. things like that. And so he has this post about Joel Schumacher, and I want to read it just because because this man been talking about men who passed, great men who have passed away, and Joel Schumacher. Um, may not have made the best Batman movies out there, but um but he was a very talented filmmaker. Um and so he deserves a little bit of he deserves a little bit of love. So I just want to read this before we leave. And Ryan says, This needed to be its own post. Joel Schumacher, some most of you may know from his work on Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, has passed away. A passionate filmmaker with an incredible filmography on either side of his Bat films, Joel was and has been unfairly dragged over the years, uh, through the mud over the years, especially by our fandom, to whom he has profusely apologized over the decades for his DC outings. Thing is, he made the dark psychological neo-gothic Batman he was hired to make. We never saw his version, just a muddled recut. When he faced massive pushback from the studio for his follow-up, he decided to lean as far into the kid-friendly approach as possible with Batman and Robin, replicating the nonsensical campiness of the Batman he grew up with, Batman 66. Uh, As a kid, I adored Batman and Robin. Even now, as an adult, I love Batman forever. You needn't have apologized, Joel. Those toys were bomb and probably have seen those movies more than any other DC property. Over time, we appreciate your vision more and more, but we never got to say thank you properly for it. You'll be sorely missed. Rest... Rest well, sir. Uh, thank you so much. So, um, well said. I, I I generally agree. I generally agree with that. I knew that Joel Schumacher had made a had had made a dark a darker Batman film, uh, not as dark as say as Batman Returns, but you know he had made a darker Batman film. And the studio was very nervous because of Batman and Robin. And they said no, make it friendlier, and it was basically taken out of his control and recut, reshot a bit, and you know you got Batman Forever, which is okay. It's fine. It's and fine. It's fine. And then so he leaned into that for Batman and Robin and, you know, spent the rest of his career basically apologizing for it. Um, and so um, but he really always wanted to make a dark Batman film. That was his real that was his real intention right from the like his he wanted to make a movie with the Scarecrow and Harley Quinn. That was like his thing. Batman five, the frightening. And it never came to fruition because of Batman and Robin in the studio that wanted it that way to sell toys. So um, I just think it's interesting that like the influence that you know studios have over creators is that's sometimes right, yeah. uh, sh- should be noted. Um, St- uh, yeah, I think. Hey, I mean that's it still happens today, right? Like, look at look at the Justice League movie we did get. Never mind the George Miller one, but <laughs> right, yeah, that's a that's yeah. an excellent yeah. point. It's a perfect yeah. example. So, um, so as you celebrate Denny O'Neill, maybe celebrate Joel Schumacher a little bit. That's right, because those movie those movies do mean something to some people that's right uh, and it's right. and it's good to appreciate everything even a little bit even if it's not your version agreed um, so agreed. hey listen okay. let's raise a glass to denny o'neill and to joel schumacher uh and to all the great creators who've made the great things that we enjoy but especially these two since we remember them in a special way uh today and let's raise a glass and let's say cheers cheers